Hello, everybody. Dr. Lonnie Stewart here from the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. Are you a physical therapy student about to start studying for the National Physical Therapy Examination? Or maybe you're a professor, a program director, or a clinical instructor who teaches DPT students preparing for the NPTE? Either way, we would recommend checking out our sponsor, NPTE Final Frontier, and the community they've built around preparing for and succeeding on the NPTE. That exam and the preparation that goes along with it can be long, tedious, difficult, and stress-inducing, but it doesn't have to be. NPTE Final Frontier has the tactics and resources to help address all of the usual barriers. They even have scholarships to help with NPTE study courses, FSBPT registration fees, and even research opportunities. And if that's not enough, they're even donating to the very first annual HET Podcast Scholarship to be awarded at the end of every year. Go to NPTEFF.com for all of the details and use code HET for 10% off all purchases. Links to both the NPTE Final Frontier and their scholarship options are available in the show notes. And now, let's get ready to learn. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. Uh, I've got with us today a very special guest, sponsor of the show, Chris Varela from Varela Financial, and he's doing us a major service today because he's going to break down some of the, uh, or all of the really options for the most part of the, you know, I'm sorry, the student loan repayment plans and uh, which ones, you know, what they look like, what they're going to look like in the future, and then which ones might work for you. So um, Chris, I'll, I'll let you start it off here. We're going we're gonna to first talk about the IBR 2014 and the pay as you earn plan. So why don't you lead us off and tell us a little bit about those plans and what they are. Yeah. So the unique thing about the pay as you earn plan and IBR 2014, which is really just short for income-based repayment 2014. And it's unique because they're all income-driven repayment plans. So they're IDR plans. IBR 2014 gets confused sometimes because it's just so close, but uh, it's like they just seem the same on paper and also when you say them out loud even too. So it's a little confusing, uh, but they're unique to one another because they work exactly the same. Um, and even the qualifying factors for whether you qualify for pay as you earn or IBR 2014, uh, at least from what I've seen, I've never really seen a case where somebody qualifies for one versus the other. They almost always qualify for both. So Again, it's very unique because they're literally the same plan. Um, so we were going to do, I know we talked about Scott doing two episodes where we talk about uh, each one, but again, I think we can lump them together. Now, before the recent changes in federal student loan repayment plans, specifically income-driven repayment plans, uh, before those changes, pay as you earn was almost always the most cost-efficient plan to be on because it was the lowest monthly payment it allowed you to file your taxes separately from your spouse to maintain lower payments and uh, the interest would accrue at a normal rate. Um, and also it was a 20-year term versus the rest that are 25-year terms. Um, so pay as you earn was almost, I would say 90% of my clients, uh, probably 100% that qualified for pay as you earn, that's the plan that they were on. Um, which again, everything's kind of changed now with the new implementation of the SAVE plan, which we'll talk about uh, either today or in another episode. But but yeah, so the pays you weren't plan, I'll uh, go ahead and share my screen so that everybody can see this. But the pays you weren't plan and IBR 2014, you can see they're in the same column. The way the plan works is that your payment would be based on 10% of your discretionary income. 
And the definition for discretionary income on this plan is anything that is over 150% of the federal poverty line. So that means that if you're a single PT, so again, single means not married, no kids, your family size is one, but you, the federal poverty line would be around $14,580 per year. 150% of that number would be 21870 So what this means is that your discretionary income is anything over this $21,000 number, right? Further, if, if your most recent tax return was less than $21,870, that would actually constitute a $0 payment on income-driven repayment uh, or on the pay as you earn plan. And that's important to understand. It's also important to distinguish the fact that when you have a $0 payment, it's not that you're not paying into it, even though that is exactly what it is, but it's that you're making a $0 payment into year X of a 20-year plan. So it still counts as a full year worth of payments, even if it's $0. Um, and then as you can see, as family size increases, these numbers increase. So uh, generally that would also result in lower monthly payments, right? So I'm going to actually show you an example of this. So we'll just use averages here, right? So let's say I'm talking to a PT that's single, so they're not married, they don't have any kids, they make $75,000 of income. Their equation for their monthly payment would be 75,000 minus 21,870. So that would give them roughly 53,130,000 or $130 of discretionary income. Then they would multiply that by 10% because they're on the pay as you earn plan and then divide that by 12 months. So their monthly payment would be around $442.75, okay? But let's say, and I'll use myself as an example. So again, I'm not a PT, but let's say that I was and I worked with this other individual, um, but I'm married and I have three kids, right? Sounds crazy to say, uh, but my family size is five. So for me, the federal poverty line for my household is $35,140 and 150% of that number would be 51,210. So my discretionary income is anything over this $51,000 number. So now we know the other individual, they're single, not married, no kids. Their payment was what, like 442? My payment on $75,000 of income would be 75,000 minus 51 to 10 times 10% followed by 12. So instead of 442, my payment would be $198. So, and again, that's assuming that you file separately from your spouse. So your monthly payment's only based off your income if you're in a dual income family. Um, but that's how the pay as you earn plan works, right? So your payment's always based off of 10% of that of those numbers. Um, it's a 20-year repayment plan until it's either paid off or forgiven. And this plan, again, it does not require spousal income considerations. So that, that again, that means that you can file separately from your spouse to maintain lower monthly payments. And the interest accrues at 100%. So that just means that if your interest rate is 6%, you're going to accrue the full 6% of interest. Um, so pretty straightforward. And again, as you can see, the IBR 2014 plan literally works uh, the same exact way. Awesome. So give me a rough estimate or an outlook on like, you know, what, what kind of person this makes uh, a lot of sense for? Like what, what's like a profile of somebody who, who this makes sense for? So people that would qualify for this plan. So I'll, I'll do like who would qualify it and who does it make sense for? Mm -hmm. um, so the people that would qualify are anybody whose federal direct loans were borrowed after October 1st of 2007. So what that unfortunately means is that if you took out your first ever federal student loan for undergrad in September of 2007, you would not qualify for this plan. It's just one of those unfortunate cutoffs. So there's some people that probably feel like they get screwed just because they were one month early. But basically anybody that took loans out after October 1st of 2007, they would qualify for this plan. Who it makes sense for 
is a little trickier because literally every single case is different. But I would say if you're a PT and you have more federal student loan debt than income, so if your federal debt to income ratio is over one to one, right? So more specifically, I would say, especially for people that have like a debt to income ratio, that's two to one, which would mean that you are making, let's say $75,000 of income, but you had $150,000 of federal student loan debt. Generally, the pay as you earn plan would be a very feasible option. And again, before the introduction of the new safe plan, this was generally the plan that would result in the lowest monthly payment currently, the lowest sum of all of your payments over the 20 years, and then also the lowest long-term total cost. But again, it does also, there's also the tax bill that I don't know how much you want to talk about the tax bill today, but that's a, obviously a very important uh, a piece of any income-driven plan. But generally, uh, the pay-as-you-earn plan would minimize your payments and your total long-term cost. Therefore, it is, was almost, almost always like the clear winner when it comes to cost efficiency. Gotcha. Yeah, let's talk about the tax plan because I think that's important for everybody to realize. Yeah, it stretches it out over 20 years, but on that 20th year, right, it, whatever you have left is, is kind of forgiven, right? However, there's a tax implication with that. Is that right? Correct. Um, so generally what that would look like, and I don't know what it's going to look like. And for those of you listening to the podcast version of this, if you head over to the YouTube channel, you can actually see the uh, visuals here that Chris is kind of putting up uh, for comparison's sake. A lot of math, a lot of charts. So head over to the YouTube channel, yeah, uh, to see the, the visual representations as well. All right. So if you're, if you're watching this on YouTube, there's a, there's a ton of information on the screen, right? So generally what we want to focus on, if you can see my cursor, anytime I do a consultation, I want to see where's the lowest uh, current monthly payment, where's the lowest sum of all of your monthly payments, which is this uh, row right here, and then also where's your lowest long-term total cost. So in this case, if we're focusing on those two things, we would have determined that Phase you were in plan and IBR 2014, but I guess they're they're the same plan. At one point, the government was talking about phasing out IBR 2014, so we've always just recommended pays you earn. Um, so in this case, this would be a, a PT that has they're not married, they they have no kids, so their family size is one. They have one hundred and sixty thousand dollars of federal student loan debt and seventy five thousand dollars of income with a projected increase in income of one percent. Uh, we used one percent just because it's not any specific reason. It was just to show what in income increases over time factor into the plan. So in this case, here's how the plan would work, right? You have $160,000 loan, you have a 6% interest rate. This person's payment uh, would have been around 464. This number is gonna be a little off. So if you fact check me on this, I think the uh, uh, the numbers are based off of 20, 2019's uh, federal poverty line, whereas right now we're obviously in 2023. So the numbers are a little different. But anyway, this individual's payment would have been around 464. They would have paid into it for 20 years. And the sum of all of their projected monthly payments over the 20 years would have been around $114 uh, total. I'm sorry, $114,000. Yeah. Sorry, what did I say? $114? Right. Yeah, little that would more be more that. ideal. Yeah, <laughs> slightly more. Uh, so basically, this person would be projected to have their entire principal forgiven. So that means that all this $114,000 number, that is all interest, believe it or not. And again, that's sometimes viewed as a very negative thing, but because of how loan forgiveness works, it's really not. And again, you'll see as I continue to talk through this, uh, but this person would be projected to have their whole principal balance uh, forgiven. They would also be projected to have around $73,000 of interest. And now for a quick shout out to our newest sponsor, Varela Financial. If you're a physical therapist and you have student loan debt, you got to talk to these guys. 
What makes them unique is that they view financial planning like running hurdles on a track. And for PTs, the first hurdle many of us run into is student loan debt. Varela Financial will help you get over that hurdle. They not only take the time to explain to you which plans you individually qualify for and how those plans work, but they also take the time to show you what your individual case looks like mapped out within each option. So if you're looking for help on your student loan debt or any area of personal finances, we recommend working with them. I use Varela Financial personally, and they were able to help me lower my student loan repayment from about $1,800 a month down to about $135 per month simply by finding the right repayment plan that best fit me, my family, and our life goals. You can check them out at varelafinancial.com. Link is in the show notes if you need it for reference, and tell them the HET podcast crew sent you. And now back to the show. That's also forgiven. So if you add those two numbers together, you would get your total forgiveness amount of $223,000. But here's how loan forgiveness works. When this $223,000 gets forgiven, you don't have to pay that. This is just the number that would be added, in this case, to your 20th year's income statement. And then you have to pay income tax on that amount. So the example that I give all my clients during our consultation process is that let's say that in 20 years, you made a flat $100,000 that year. When you go to file your taxes in that 20th year, when, when your loan got forgiven, your income statement is not going to read that you made $100,000. Instead, it's going to read that you made $323,000 of income that year. So I always make the joke. I'm like, that's a good year to take a picture of your income statement <laughs> and send it to all your, your friends that are thinking about being PTs because it'll show that you made $320,000. In reality, you have to pay income tax on that amount. So a couple of years ago, we were using 30% uh, as a projection for your tax rate. Right now, we're starting to use 35 or 40% because in 2025, and this is a result of the Secure 2.0 Act, uh, but in 2025, uh, tax rates are, are, are going to hike up. Um, so that's where we're using 35. And in some cases, we're using 40%. Assuming a 30% tax rate, when your $223,000 is forgiven, you would have to write a check to the IRS uh, in that tax year for around $69,000. So that's your loan forgiveness tax bill. Yeah. Now, if I wanted to add the total cost of your loan, I would add all of your monthly payments you're projected to pay over the 20 years, plus your tax bill, which would give me your total long-term cost of $184,000, which is equivalent to less than a 1% interest rate. So it's equivalent to a 0.78% interest rate. So it's very cost efficient. So I always tell people too, and this is a really important like strategy point to focus on with any income-driven repayment plan. If you're seeking loan forgiveness, you have to understand how the front-end cost works and how the back-end cost works. So what I mean by that is whenever you make a payment on the front end of your loan, you're always paying dollar for dollar. So you're paying 100% of each dollar. So the example is if your payment's $100 a month, you're going to pay $100 a month, right? It's pretty simple. Versus on the back end of your loan, you're only paying the income tax on whatever gets forgiven. So that means that if you got uh, $1 forgiven at a 30% tax rate, you're only paying 30% of that dollar. So another example is that if you had that same $100 monthly payment that got forgiven on the back end of your loan, you only have to pay $30, which is a savings of $70. We like to make it a percentage. That's a savings of 70%. So now it's scalable. So now if you, now if you got $100,000 forgiven at 30%, you're paying $30,000. If you have $200,000 that gets forgiven at 30%, you're paying $60,000, so on and so forth. So the strategy almost always, and I'm hesitant to say that because literally every single case is different. I'm trying, I'm trying to avoid any blanket recommendations here, but 
generally speaking, if you're seeking loan forgiveness, the strategy is to minimize payments and actually seek as much forgiveness as you can because you're only paying pennies on the dollar of any dollar that gets forgiven, um, which again, in this case, you can kind of see how that works out. I have another case study with future family size, but, I, but that I can breeze through. Do you want me to go through that one yeah, as well? Yeah, please, please. Now, this one, I'll kind of just speed through it here because it kind of results in the same thing. But the numbers are very different, right? So for this person, this is now a PT that is married. They have two kids, so their family size is four. Same amount of debt, same amount of income with a 1% annual increase. And let's say they married another spouse who's also a PT, but they're going to mar- they're going to file their taxes married filing separately so that their monthly payment is only based off of their income and not their household income. Okay. So now here's how this plan would work. Same debt amount, same interest rate. Instead of paying four, what was it? 460 something. This person's payment is 294. Still 20 year plan, but look at this number. This is drastically different than before, yeah. right? So now with future family size, this individual is only projected to pay $65,000 worth of monthly payments over the next 20 years. That's a very good low number. Now, $65,000 is not a low number, but in comparison to a debt amount of 160, that's, that's a really, this is a really good number to see. So this person's also projected to have their, all, all their principal forgiven. They're also projected to have uh, more interest forgiven. So $122,000 in comparison to the prior study. So their total forgiveness amount is 282. And based off a 30% tax rate, they would have to write a check to the IRS, IRS for $84,000, which is higher than before, right? But because you saved so much money on the front end, if I now add your monthly payments plus your tax bill, I get your total cost of $149,000, which as you can see is less money than you have currently have borrowed. So that's how future family size filing taxes separately from your spouse and, and some other strategy as well. That's how you can potentially use income driven repayment plans to pay your loan off with less money than you originally borrowed, which always sounds too good to be true. But again, it's just understanding the efficiencies and, and the percentage, the percentages of, of how these plans work. And Again, once you're properly educated on how to utilize these plans, it's a no-brainer in a lot of cases. Right. The only That's, caveat is that you're paying for 20 years rather than having it paid yeah. off in five years doing the Dave Ramsey option. But again, right. even if you're paying it off aggressively the traditional way, your total cost is not going to be less than your principal amount. So again, income-driven repayment is, is very cost-efficient as long as it's used properly. And I, you know, I think people kind of get that, that knee-jerk reaction of like, well, I still have to pay, you know, 30% tax rate or 40% tax rate, whatever it is, right? Well, how am I going to come up with that money on that last year when it's due, right? Well, the yeah. answer is you don't. You plan for it over a long <laughs> period of time over those 20 years. Yes. And that's why I like, you know, working with you guys because you have that plan laid Correct. out for what to do with your money over the next 20 years to make sure when that tax bill does come due, you've got it taken care of, no problem. Yeah. And, and how you save for the tax bill is another, that's a totally another subject that we can definitely shine a, a, a pretty big light on. I'm very vocal with this, uh, at least on like social media and anytime I speak about it. If you're on an income driven repayment plan already and you have not either projected out what your tax bill is going to be and or you're not actively saving for it, you got to get off the plan. It's not going to work how you want it to because this tax bill is a very real thing. So we just looked at two numbers. I think one was 65, one was 84, $85,000 of a tax bill. That's a single check you have to write to the IRS. You don't pay that over time. Now, if you don't have that amount, what do you think you have to do? Claim insolvency, bankruptcy? So, like you don't want to do those things. Right. So you got, you got to do yes. something. But in reality, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to take out a personal loan. Even worse, you might take a loan out with the government and they're going to charge you penalties and fees and interest on the back end until it's paid back. Paid back. So you don't want to do that. Now, everyone want to through the government, unfortunately. But if you took out a personal loan to pay that loan off, in today's interest rates for a personal loan, 
you're probably looking at 15%. Personal loans are different than business loans. Personal loans are different than private loan refinancing. Like personal loans are their own category. Best case scenario right now, you're probably getting 14, 15% of an interest rate. That's might as well be theft. In other words, you're going to have to take out a loan to pay off your loan. And then you pay that second loan off for what? Another 10, 15, 20 years. And what was supposed to be a 20 year plan is now 35 or 40 years. You don't want to do that because you might be, let's say you're 30, you're 30 years old watching this. You want to be paying into this until you're 70 years old? Yeah. No, you don't. You want, it, you want it to be done when it's done. So with any income-driven repayment plan, you want to have a strategy in place to maintain low monthly payments. You want to understand what your potential tax bill is going to be. And then you want to be preparing not just for what your tax bill amount is, but you also need to understand in 20 or 25 years, depending on the plan you're on, when you pay that tax bill off, you're going to be 5, 10, 15 years away from retirement. You don't want to be behind on that, right? So you got to create a strategy where you're not just you're not just solving the tax bill, but you're also getting ahead of retirement planning. And that's that's exactly what we strive to do with all of our clients. Well, Chris, I love that. And like I said, that's why I love working with you. Where can people reach out to you and find more about these plans and uh, you know how they can plan for this this strategy? I mean, they can find us. So our website's varelafinancial.com. We, we try to put a lot of quality content out on social media uh, as well. And some of it is more... Some of it has more context than others, right? So sometimes if you watch one of our, if you watch three of our videos on Instagram and, and it feels like we're talking around something and not get, getting really into the nitty gritty, unfortunately there are, you just have to skim around a little more. Like there are videos where we go into a lot of detail, uh, but I would say the best bet really just to save you the maximum amount of time is just schedule a phone call with us. We schedule 15 to 30 minute phone calls. They're completely free. And it's really just for us to say, this is what we do. And then we ask you a couple of questions about your case. And then we give you a very high level breakdown of what direction we think you should take your case in and what plans you would have at your disposal and what strategies would probably make the most sense. And again, we don't get into the numbers during the phone call, but we get into how we can help and what, what, you, uh, like what you can do to basically help yourself potentially. So yeah, I always tell people, don't, don't waste your precious time with trying to do this yourself. It, it's going to take you longer than you think. So you're, in my opinion, you're always going to be better off just sitting down with us and talking to us for 30, 40 60, 90 minutes, and we'll literally break down not just what you should do now, but also what you're going to want to do in the future if and when your your life evolves with family size, job changes, income changes, tax filings with spouses, et cetera. So yeah, the best way to do that is just go to our website, schedule a 15 to 30 minute phone call with us. And again, that's really, that's uh, going to be the most bang for your buck. And by that, I mean, it's free. So yeah, uh, why not? Yeah, absolutely. And we'll drop those links in the show notes so that everybody can find you easily. Chris, thank you so much for breaking these plans down and uh, tune into the next episode where we talk about the next set of plans. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure, Scott. Well, I hope that episode was entertaining as much as it was informational and educational. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our past episodes, we ask you to please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. And please share out the episodes to those who you feel may be able to benefit from them. We also urge you to follow us on all social media platforms at HET Podcast and let us know what topics or experts you would like to hear from in future episodes. And just as a reminder, none of the information on today's show should be considered medical advice. It's simply infotainment or edutainment to help educate our audience. For medical advice, we always advise you to reach out to your preferred medical professionals, and we'll see you on the next show.